you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc. Now here's this week's message. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. It's almost here. I think it's two weeks away. I am so ready for Easter. We got a great service planned for you from the kids to the adults. You're going to have a good time Friday night and then also on Sunday morning, two on Friday night. Then we got four on Sunday. So we got you covered. Amen. You know what? Bring some on Friday night, bring some on Sunday morning. Whatever it takes, make sure that this Easter you're going to be a part of some lives being changed, that your invitation is going to change someone's eternal destination because of your simple invite. Amen? So we want you to make sure that you write it down, put it down. The kids are going to have fun. In fact, I'm afraid I'm going to have to fight you adults. You want to be back there with the kids. They're having egg hunts, and they're getting candy and everything else, and But you know what? We'll be giving away some prizes in here too. Amen. We'll be giving away some good stuff here so you don't want to miss it. So make sure you put it on the calendar. Who are you inviting? We put prayer cards in your seats. Make sure you're filling those out. And I'm going to invite five people that I know that don't go to church. Amen. I don't want church folk. I want people who don't go to church, who don't know Jesus. I want you to invite them and make sure they're here for you on Easter Sunday. Amen. When I was a kid... Uh, probably about six years old. Uh, my parents were going out of town. I was staying with some friends, and my brother was there. And I couldn't find him, and I was scared. I was trying to find him. I'm running around the house, and they were doing some construction there. And I come running around the corner when I did. There was a two-by-four four turn on the corner. caught my lip and cut my lip off. Right across, just cut the top of my lip off. They had to re-sew it back on. And what was amazing is when they sewed it back on, it became a bionic lip. Bionic lip. And, um, you know, anyway, <laughs> become the best kisser out there. But anyway, let's just move on. <laughs> That's what it is, babe. She didn't know the bionic lip, the $6 million man, the $6 million lip. That's what it was. That's what it was. Then when I was a kid, I was climbing a tree one time. I love to climb trees and was kind of dangling from the tree and I lost my grip and I fell. When I did, I didn't land on my feet. I landed on my knees. And there was a bottle that had been broken with a big piece, and it went straight into my knee. And right here I have a scar on my knee from that. If I were to pull my shirt up, there's a scar right here, a wound from where I was riding a motorcycle. And, well, I was probably trying to show off. And I came off the gravel, hit the road, and that rubber tire called that road. And, and I just... And I used my arm to. I've got wounds and, and scars all, all over me. I, I tell you that story because if I could title my sermon anything today, it would be Wounds, Words, and Witness. And let me put it better His wounds, His words, our witness is what I would say today. I want to prepare you today 
this sermon probably is not for the faint of heart. If you're grossed out, you, you probably want to sometimes close your ears. For the last few weeks, we've been walking through Holy Week. Last week, we talked about Thursday, the Lord's Supper. This week, we talk about Good Friday. Um, some say, why will we call it Good Friday? It's the day that our Lord and Savior was crucified and what he went through. It actually started out as God Friday, which turned into Good Friday. Some, like the Germans, it, the word good is not what they use. The word would be interpreted bad Friday. I, I want you to read with me today. It is in Luke chapter 23. Begin with verse 44. Now it was about the sixth hour and there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out in a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. So when the centurion saw what had happened, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. And the whole crowd who came together to that site, seeing what had been done, beat their breast and returned. Listen to this part. But all his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the word that we're about to receive, and I pray that every heart and every mind to be open to receive, God, what you've got in store. And Lord, let not one, not one leave this house the same way that they came, but be blessed by your word and your presence. In Jesus' name, Lord, amen and amen. I would first today like to talk to you about the wounds, the wounds that Jesus would experience, and to, to actually do the first wound, uh, we actually need to step a, a day back. To go back in the Garden of Gethsemane as Jesus is there praying. The Bible tells us as Jesus is there praying, we'll begin to see the, uh, the first wounds that he would experience. And as Jesus is on his knees and he's praying, he said, God, if, if so, please let this cup pass from me. We begin to see the stress that Jesus is going through. Uh, we begin to see the, the not the fear, but the unwont of Jesus in his life of what he's about to experience. But it would go a step further. We begin to see the wound at that moment as Jesus is there asking God, if possible, let this cup pass from me, if not thy will be done. The Bible says that actually Jesus begins to sweat, but then a, a something happens, a medical condition that would blow our mind. At that, mind, at that moment, as Jesus begins to stress and to pray, uh, his sweat glands around your sweat glands or, 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 or blood areas, and what begins to happen, Jesus is so stressed, and there's about 15 documented cases of this in medical files, that as Jesus begins to pray and he's stressing out, that he is so stressed that the blood that is surrounding his sweat glands, it be, the blood begins to enter into the sweat glands and comes out. Probably not just his face, but his whole body. In fact, I'm, I'm going to butcher this word, so I'm just going to go ahead and tell you up front. It's actually called hemothydrosis. Hemothydrosis is what it's called, and it's actually 
I just said it different twice. Twice. I'm not a doctor, okay? Nor do I want to be. So we see the first wounds that Jesus is there. And the reason why Jesus actually would not bleed to death is and, and where he's at at night is a little bit cold. So that cold weather actually would have made it not bleed as bad. So we begin to see the, the first wounds of Jesus. About 12 o'clock the next day, or 12 a.m., we then begin to see Judas leads the soldiers, about 500 soldiers going to the garden to arrest Jesus. It'd be this moment that we know that Peter takes out the sword to cut off the ear. It's about that moment that Jesus actually then, you know, puts the ear back on and heals it. It's, it's Jesus, comes Judas, and Judas kisses Jesus on the cheek. About 1 a.m., the Bible tells us that at this moment, Jesus is taken to be questioned by Ananias. And at that moment, he's at, who used to be a high priest, he's at the high priest's house. And in other words, false witness and false testimonies are happening. About 1 a.m., Jesus is, is taken in question uh, by Cephas at he is now actually the high priest, and he's taken there, and he, false accusations are made. Jesus is condemned. And then we see the second wounds. At this moment, Jesus is blindfolded. He's slapped across the face. He's spit on. He's beaten, and his beard is pulled. While this is happening outside, you've got Peter in the courtyard who's about to deny Jesus three times. Without the authority, about 6 a.m., without the authority to actually kill Jesus because the Jews are under the Roman authority, without them being able to actually do anything, they did send Jesus about 6 a.m. to go before Pontius Pilate. We all know the story Pontius Pilate doesn't really want to deal with him. Even his own wife has warned him, so he sends him to King Herod. Then King Herod sends him back. At that moment, Pontius Pilate finally gives in to the crowd, releases Barabbas, we now see the third wounds. He is ordered to be flogged. At that moment, what they do is, is they take your hands, they tie them above your heads on a post. They strip you naked. We many times see this, this image of Jesus. He's got something wrapped around his loin. That is not the case. They would actually rip his clothes off. They would have stripped him naked. They would have tied him to the post. What have happened is, is two soldiers, two guards, would have got on either side of Jesus with what they call the cat of nine tails. With this in hand, about an eight-inch rod with about somewhere about six or seven inches of leather. At the end of each piece of leather, what there would have been is there would have been a, raw, a piece of iron and a piece of animal bone. The reason they did that is, is when they would whip them like this and pull it back, the iron would make the bone catch and literally rip the flesh. Jewish tradition says that they could not beat anybody more than 40 times. So what most Jews would do is, is only do it 39 times just in case they went one too many. The Romans had no such law. They could have beat Jesus as many times as they wanted to. So with two men beating Jesus on his back, Normally what would happen is finally after all the lashes, they would have released him. Most men at least would have fallen over and been unconscious. Many men never made it to the crucifixion because they would have died on the spot because of what happened. 
The reason why they would beat them the way they beat them is is because while they were on the cross, what they wanted to happen was because of the open wounds, they wanted the birds to come to him on the cross and begin to pick at his flesh. We see the fourth wound. What happens is, is now Jesus who's been beaten on his back so many times, his back is raw. They then would have made Jesus take the cross many times. We have this image of Jesus taking the whole cross. That's most likely not what would have happened. What would have happened is, is they'd have made Jesus take what they call the, the, the vertical, I mean the horizontal part of the cross, which weighed about 150 pounds. Jesus, who has been beaten over and over again, bleeding, in pain, who's been beaten, he's been slapped, been up now for probably about 36 hours, who in the night before has walked probably two and a half miles, now would walk with the cross 150 pounds, about a third of a mile. Finally, at the end of a third of a mile, Jesus could not take it anymore. We know the story. He would collapse. A man by the name of Simeon or Simon would come up and help Jesus take the cross the rest of the way to Golgotha. They would get there, and what they would do is then they would begin to, uh, well, nail Jesus to the cross. First, the, the horizontal cross, and what they would have done is we many times have an image that Jesus was nailed through his hands. That's probably not actually the way it was. In fact, we know the Romans had become great at torture. Uh, the word hand there actually in the Hebrew or the Greek actually means to include your wrist. What they would have done is, is they would have taken the nail, which is about five to seven inches long, and they would have taken the nail and they would have drilled it right here above your hand. The reason being is, is because that was a strong point. If they had put it in the hand and nailed Jesus to the cross, what would have happened is the cross, because your hand is not strong enough, it would have ripped out and gone through his fingers. Jesus nailed to the cross through his wrist. The reason they did that, one is, is there was a nerve and there was some stuff there that was strong enough to hold. The second reason is, right above most places, you know this is where somebody may try to commit suicide, but if they do it right here, it doesn't bleed that much. See, the Romans did not want you to die soon. They wanted you to die slow. But it, because it was so strong, because you wouldn't bleed out and it would hold, but yet one of the most painful areas that you can actually drive a nail through, it is sheer agony. Once they would get Jesus nailed to that cross, they then would begin to hoist him up by that. In fact, most men, what would happen is their shoulders would dislocate as they're pulling them up. And as they would get them up, what they would then do is, is nail his feet to the cross. Sometimes to the side of the cross, many times like this. The Bible tells us somewhere about 12 p.m. to 3 p.m., the earth begins to respond to the death of Jesus. See, death would take place because what would happen is, and you understand why I'm going through all this today, as graphic and as hard as it may be, you'll understand in a few moments, but the reason why most of those on the cross would die would not be from bleeding to death. In fact, we know some would actually live for days after being on the cross. Most of them would die because of suffocation or fixation. Because what can happen is, is while they're on the cross, the weight here makes it where you cannot breathe. You can take air in, but you can't exhale. 
So what you would have to do is, is push up on your feet with your hands on the cross and pull up. The problem is, is they had not sanded down this cross. It was not smooth. So with his back all torn to bits, Jesus would push with his hands and the pain that would happen in his hands and then splinters would come into his back as every time he would come up to breathe. And most men would die because of a suffocation. I tell you that today because I told you my sermon's called Wounds and Words. After I've just told you the wounds that Jesus has experienced, it'll make you understand that while Jesus was on the cross, he said seven different phrases. I don't know how he even had enough breath to breathe, but to be able to speak and to talk, and not just one word would have been enough, but Jesus did more than that. In fact, we know that on the cross, the first thing that Jesus says, he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Oh, did God the Father let him down? No. What most scholars and theologians believe is this, because of all the sin, previous now and before was on Jesus at that moment. The problem was at that moment, God the Father could not, I could not look at my son in that kind of pain. That Jesus, knowing that moment, God the Father could not look. He looked away at that moment. He knows that God's not looking at him. And he says, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? See, not only is he dealing with the pain and the sorrow, but he's also at that moment, do you know what he's dealing with? At that moment, he's dealing with the pain of all sin on his body. It also becomes a moment of fulfillment of the word of God. The second thing he says is right after he says that, then he goes, but Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Not me. I said, God, strike them all down. Let a lightning bolt hit them right now and God let me float off this cross and let me float around them and laugh as they do. But yet on this cross, we see the very reason and the very purpose of why Jesus had just done what he did. He said, Father, forgive them, not because they're deserving, not because they're worthy, but because they're my children. Lord, I know they don't get it. They don't understand. But God, my grace is sufficient. My grace is good enough. God, I know what they've done to me, but I know what I can do for them. But it goes on just about the forgiveness and the grace that they receive to the reward that we can get. He this says in Matthew 23, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. He had two thieves beside him. One thief the whole time cursed his name and made fun of him. Hey, if you're God, take yourself off the cross but the other thief apologized and repented. And at that moment, while Jesus is in agony on the cross, in pain, what does Jesus do? He forgives and said, today you shall be with me in paradise. He makes a promise not only to that thief, he makes a promise to you and to me that if we shall receive the word of God's grace, then we'll understand that God's grace will bring us to a promise of eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven. But I love what Jesus does next. In John 19, verse 26, we find that he says, Dear woman, here is your son and here is your mother. 
the humanity of God, the humanity of Jesus on the cross, that he takes a moment to share the details. He knows what his mom's going through. I can only imagine the pain that Mary is experiencing seeing this child that she had raised. This child, listen, I know that he's God. I know that he's the Messiah. I know that he's a Savior, but can I tell you, he was somebody's son. And she's at the foot of the cross seeing what has happened to her son and God's love and Jesus Christ's heart was hurting for her. And at the moment says, in other words, Mom, I'm going to be all right. This has to happen. But, Mom, I'm not going to leave you alone. Here's just John. You're going to take care of my mom. See, that's what God does in our life. That even when things are going on, God will still be there. He knows the details. He knows everything about who you're dating, who you're married to, your job, your finances. God knows every single thing about you, and he cares. To even been on the cross. We even further see the humanity of Jesus. In John chapter 18, he says, I am thirsty. See, at this moment, it's not just that Jesus is thirsty. He is fulfilling what it says in Psalms chapter 29, 20, or 69, verse 21. They also gave me gall for my food, and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. At that moment, Jesus, can I tell you what happened? Some of those who were watching, some of the scholars, the Pharisees, when they hear Jesus say that, it triggers something in their mind, and they're like, oh my God, that's what the Messiah would say. See, even in that moment, Jesus was making known who he was. I am the Messiah. See, every single prophecy spoken in the Old Testament about who the Messiah would be from his birth, his life, and even his death, every prophecy was fulfilled. Do you understand the almost the impossibilities of that? That thousands of years would span in every word that was spoken. And as Jesus said on the cross that day, I am thirsty. He was fulfilling a prophecy that had been spoken hundreds of years earlier just to let them know that I am who I say I am. You don't have to doubt. You don't have to worry. In the middle of your trials and tribulations, in the middle of what you're going through, I want you to hear me when I say this. I am the great I am, and I will always be there, and I will fulfill what I said, and I will do what I said I will do, for that is the God that I am. The last two, as I close, in John chapter 19, verse 30, he goes, it is finished. It is finished. He wasn't speaking of his life. He wasn't speaking that he was about to die, although he was. At that moment when Jesus speaks the word, it is finished. What Jesus at that moment was saying is, I have done what I've come to do. I have defeated the devil. I have overcome sin. I have destroyed death. It is finished. Can I tell you what Jesus was saying? He said, I'm dropping the mic. It is done. It is over. Devil, you lost. I won. I'm greater and more powerful than you can ever imagine. 
Listen, I want you to start looking at your situations and your circumstances and the issues you go through, and I want you to start repeating the words of what God said upon the cross that day, and I want you to start saying, it is finished, it is done. I may not see the outcome yet. I may not see what's going on yet, but I know if God has said it, God's done it, it is over. God's taking care of it. God's going to work it out, and everything's going to be all right. In his closing words before he would die. Jesus in Luke chapter 23 would say, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. The other day I was coming back from Ohio, I had to teach in Ohio. When I got through speaking in Ohio, I had to get on a in a car, rent a car, I had to drive two hours to the airport. Got to the airport, they delayed my plane twice. Had to get on the flight, take a three-hour flight home. Got home and got in the car, I had to drive another two hours from the airport. I just wanted to get home. I just wanted to get to my family. On the way home, my, my back window kept going down. It wouldn't stay up. You might be a redneck if you have to manually pull your window up. <laughs> I'd pull over, pull it up, drive down the road about five miles, or it'd drop again. I'd... I finally said, forget it. It's 36 degrees outside. So I finally just turned on the heat, and I said, I don't care. I'm just getting home. See, the moment when Jesus said, God, unto you, Father, I... I commit my spirit. He said, I, I left the paradise of heaven to come to do what I was supposed to do. To die upon this cross. To shed my blood. To go through the anguish and the embarrassment, the humility and the shame. And Father, I'm just ready to come home now. I'm just ready to come home. And I want you to know today that our Heavenly Father is in heaven. Right beside Jesus Christ who is interceding for us for everything that we go through. And I said the last word was witness. Remember what I said? There were some followers, some women that were there at a distance from the cross. And the Bible says that they were watching. It would be from those women, those witnesses there that day that Christianity, the gospel of Jesus Christ would be spread around the world to become the biggest religion of all. See, because they had seen the wounds, heard the words, they now could be witnesses of what God had done. See, for some of you, you didn't get to see the wounds of God, but I can see the the wounds of Jesus. But I can tell you today, you've had some wounds in your own life. But yet because of the words that God has spoken, he has healed your wounds. 
And because your wounds have been healed, you now, through the word of God, can go become a witness and tell the world what Jesus has done for you. There are people that are waiting to hear. See, for me, to hear what Jesus did on that cross and to not live for him, I don't, I can't fathom. And let me say this to you for some, and I just feel like I need to say this. For, for some of you out there today that you've got this image, well, it's just a made-up religion. Historical facts prove that there was a man named Jesus. Historically. And he did die on a cross. Historically, it's proven. He's real. And you're telling me he did what, yes, I'm telling you, that he went through all the anguish and the pain and the suffering and the sorrow for you because he loves you to pay the price for your sins once and for all. And I don't care what you've done or what sin you've committed. I'm here to tell you God is real. And God loves you. And just like he took care of his mom that day from the cross, he will take care of you today if you'll trust and believe and have faith in him. Would you bow your heads? I want you to stand with me. How many have some wounds in your life that need healing? Raise your hands. Wounds of sorrow, disappointment, disillusionment. Maybe you've been victimized. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you have some wounds of fear today. What is the wound that you're carrying that you need a word from God today? And I'm telling you, that's all it takes is one word. One word from God today can heal all your wounds. Lord, I pray for every hand that is raised. And I ask in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that, Lord, you would heal their wounds, their disappointments, their disillusionments, their despair, their depression. I pray today, Lord, that you would take away their sorrows and their sadness. I pray today, Lord, all those fears and anxiety. Lord, today, whatever the wound may be, I pray today, Lord, that the word will be spoken over that wound, that it is healed, it is healed, it is healed. Now that, Lord, deliver them right now by your word. With every eye closed, every head bowed, one last question. Do you know Jesus Christ? I told you today what he did for you. He died for your sin to pay the price, the ultimate price. And all you have to do today, the only thing you've got to do is admit that you're a sinner in need of God's grace and love. Believe that who I said he is today, he is the son of the living God, died on a cross for you, rose on the third day. 
And with your mouth confess him, Lord, of your life, and you shall be saved. If that is you today and you would like to give your heart and life to Christ, I just want you to raise your hand right now. Is there anybody? Amen. 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 I've got four that have raised their hand. Give God praise. I want all of you, not just the four that raise their hand, but all of you to say this prayer with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. As four new names have been written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Say, Dear Jesus, I invite you to my heart and into my life. Forgive me of all my sins and all my ways. I repent and I come to you and ask you to be the Lord and Savior of my life forever and ever. Amen. Give God praise. We are so happy that you joined us today. Here at Compassion, we value family, which means we value you. If there's any way that we can be praying for you and believing with you for something, please make sure that you let us know. You guys have a great week, and we'll see you here next Sunday. Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc.